Hey beautiful souls, welcome to Soul Spoken. If the life of your dreams is only a vision in your head and you need connection and inspiration to start building your dream life, you are in the right place. My name is Lainey and you're tuning in to episode 5. I hope you all are doing well. I had lunch recently and I'm kind of struggling with a bit of the food coma. I have a food coma kind of going on here and I'm just sleepy, but if I would just sleep, then I wouldn't be able to record this. So I am powering through because I know that I've always wanted to have a podcast and I need to really show up for it. So if you are also in a situation where you want to start a creative project, but you're like, you've been like me and for so long you just sleep on it or you put it off for later. The way that I showed up today and how I've showed up for previous episodes, it's like show up for your projects like you're showing up for a dear friend. Because I know that I'm really present when it comes to showing up for people. I don't like to let them down and I can't let myself down. This is something that I want to look back on and be proud of something that I created and also, it's a great way to pep talk myself out of some funks. Funks. <laughs> it's a good way to pep to give myself a pep talk, a pep, not a pet talk, a pep talk when I'm in a funk. And I think it helps other people too. I think at least if you're listening to this, it's helping you. So thank you so much for tuning in. So I want to chat about the inner critic today because my inner critic's been pretty loud since um, I lost my keys. And I know that doesn't really sound like a huge deal. Okay, so it's not a really huge deal. But when I lost my keys, it felt like a really huge deal to me. And that's because my car key was part of that chain of keys. Like, of course, your house keys are easily replaceable. Um, but, the, oh gosh, I was so crushed when I lost my car key. Because when I, right after I lost it and I realized it wasn't with me anymore, I was like, okay, what's it going to cost to replace this? And I was getting quotes from different locksmiths and all of that. And it ranged from like 200 to 300 And I was like, man, that's a lot of money just because I did something and I forgot about it. And uh, so, I mean, I feel like you can kind of hear the inner critic coming out in the tone of my voice where it's just like, I really shouldn't have lost it, but I'm going to talk about how you can handle the inner critic, but let me tell you about that experience losing the keys, man. It doesn't sound like a big deal when you're not the person losing the keys, and but when it comes to the day that you lose your own keys and it's really expensive to replace, you're like, dag, nab it. And I thought I, I never thought of myself as very attached to my items, but when I lost it, I realized I, I was attached. I didn't realize I was so attached because I, every, so one of my keys is blue. So every time I would take my walk to and from work after I lost my keys, if I saw a little like blue thing, I would 
think it was my keys, but no, it'd be like the wrapper of like some Rice Krispies treat or some like blue masking tape or just some random blue paper on the ground. It makes it sound like that where I live is kind of filthy and that's not too far from the truth. We need more cleaning people up in this, up in this city, up in here. I live in Oakland and yeah. Anyway, I was just looking around for my keys and I was just beating myself up over it and I was in such a bad mood for two days. I had one of those tiles on it and if you don't know what a tile is, it helps you find your keys. It'll tell you the last place um, via a GPS map where your key was and so I knew where I had dropped it but when I checked that area again it was gone and I checked it thoroughly like I went up in the bushes and the grass and the rocks and across the street and looked in the sewers I was pretty desperate and I couldn't find it and so I was really bummed out for the day and so the next day I'm going about my my life and I lost uh, oh no <laughs> yeah you know I lost my keys and I get a notification on your phone saying that your tile has been found by the community and that happens if someone else on their phone has the tile app and they walk by it it'll also ping to my phone saying hey your tile has been um I guess notified or, or noticed or something like that by by someone else. And so I hopped in my car using my partner's key like, and I, I drove over there and then I noticed that my keys were somewhere else. And then I panicked because this person or I don't really know what happened, but the key kept on moving from one place to another. And I, I had a lot of anxiety because I was like, why would someone take my key? What the hell are you going to do with my key? You don't have my car. You don't know what my car is. You don't know my what my house number is or whatever. And so I'm just like, who the hell is going to take keys? What do you do? You give them to your kid? Like, I don't know. I was getting really upset. Uh, so that was a little bit of a wild goose chase. And the fact that the key stop, um, I, I stopped receiving notifications on where my keys were. And that made me feel even more bummed out because it was a bit of a teaser, right? It was like, hey, I think you can um, almost have your keys. Just kidding. So it kind of like, like, you know, when you have a wound and you have a scab and you're like picking at it, that's what, kind of what it was or that's kind of what getting those notifications kind of did to me because I was getting over it and then it happened again and then I knew I couldn't get my keys again. And I, I've posted online to the community, like through the next door app that I lost my keys, but no one, no one has uh, come up to me and said, hey, I got your keys. Like someone's just keeping it and I do not know why. If you find keys, why, why are you taking it and not trying to find me? Anywho, that really made me feel crappy about myself. I had a lot of, I had a lot of comments from the inner critic, you know, Cause she loud, she crazy, she ratchet. She's just like, why are you so stupid? You shouldn't have dropped your keys. You should have been more careful. You shouldn't put it in your pocket. You should have done this. You should have done that. And that ugh, was just bogging me down. And I was really cranky. I'm okay now. I've processed those feelings. And I want to be the kind of person, or I am the kind of person to practice self-love and self-compassion 
Yet still, I feel very hardwired to be down on myself. And so I asked myself, where the heck did this come from? Why am I so mean? Because for me as a life coach or like even to my friends, I think I'm a pretty nice person and I'm compassionate and I'm friendly and I'm nice. But when it comes to myself, like, oh my goodness, I could be so mean. You know, and I did some reflecting, like where the heck did this come from? And definitely there were messages I got from my childhood uh, from my parents, like I remember my dad would get angry at, at me and my siblings if things were out of place, like if a fork was on the table and it should be in the sink, or if I placed a glass too close to the edge of the table, and then even worse, if it would fall, he'd say he'd make some weird noise expression, and that and he would he would make that very often whenever we would make mistakes, he'd be like. I don't even know how to, I mean, it's been so long, but it's just like this, this tone and sound of disapproval and that expresses, I told you so, you suck. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you weren't careful enough and blah, blah, blah. That's, it's not really nice. I think he was trying to teach us not to, to mess up, but it, I internalized those messages and now I'm so mean to myself. And then my parents were also really hard um, uh, on the whole family about money issues. And I always felt that because they were judging me with like any spending habits or themselves about spending habits, I felt I had to judge harshly about money and expenses, and which added to my anxiety around, oh my gosh, I lost my car keys. That's going to be extra $300. How could I be so stupid? I should have known that thing was valuable, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? This is not helping. All of these criticizing thoughts that I have is not helping. And what's crazy is that I didn't even tell my parents that I lost my keys because I don't, I, don't I don't want to call to be like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm like, mom, daddy, I lost my keys. They're like, Oi, why did you do that? You should be more careful. Like, no shit, I know I should be more careful, but no, I just feel really bad. So, yeah. Oh, and another place I, I think that um, being critical of yourself comes from is like schools, school, like the way that you're, we're brought up at schools. Like for me, I wanted to do well because I thought doing well equated to success. And so I would be the kind of kid who would study really hard and want to get high scores on tests. And um, when it comes to test taking, you know, I did what I could and I'd wanted, I wanted to get the high score. I wanted to get the high grade. But when it would come the time that maybe a few times I've, I would get a test back and it was like almost perfect and I'd get like one or two things wrong, I would feel so stupid and I would be like, how did I miss that? I should have known better and I almost got a perfect score but I didn't, like I messed up, like what the hell was I thinking, what was wrong with me? Ooh, that's not the way to talk to a friend, that's not a way to talk to anyone really, it's... It's crazy. We are. We can be our own worst uh, critics, and we could be our own. We could be our own bullies in that sense. That that's that's not nice. And as we become adults, and we're dealing with a lot of feelings that that stem from childhood or systems and society, we have to unlearn. So now, as an adult, oh man, 
I see that this criticism that I, I experienced as a child is, is such a part of my life. And I try to be mindful of it. You know, I try and notice when it happens. But like I said, it's, I just feel so hardwired to judge myself when I mess up instead of being kind and understanding. <sighs> I mean, it's really tough. And this self-criticism feels so awful and it makes you scared of ever messing up in life. And so I try and just tiptoe and things and do a double take and a triple take to make sure that I'm doing things like all right and okay. <sighs> this definitely carries on to bigger things in life, like huge scary things like what should I do with my life and my career and my life purpose? You know, and that's something that I, I think about a lot, which is why I went into life coaching and which is why um, a year and some ago I quit my job to take a break and I was thinking about what I could do with my life. But for all the options there were, I was like afraid of the possibilities because I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to mess up. And when I would think of failing, I would, I feel like I would hear my version of my dad's disapproving groan <laughs> in my head. And this makes me stay scared and in place because from being a kid and having all those messages, it makes me, made me think that um, messing up is a bad thing and is something you shouldn't do, that it's unacceptable and that you should aim for perfection. But, oh man, do any of you guys relate to that? Just trying to be perfect, trying to get things right, not messing up, not welcoming mistakes and not being open to failure and not trying things because you don't want to fail. <sighs> I know I'm not alone in this. I'm not, right? <laughs> That aim for perfection is so unrealistic because life is full of trial and error. <sighs> I feel like I'm sighing a lot. I'm just like thinking about my keys and all of these like things that my inner critic told me. I'm like, Grr. but we have to learn how to manage our inner critic or else we'll never really grow. We'll never, we'll be stuck in the same place because we'll always be listening to that voice instead of the nurturing, more compassionate voice. So in, in this experience of having that inner critic come up from something so small, when you think about the grand scheme and you think about everything, yes, losing one's keys is a difficult matter, but in the bigger scheme of things, it's, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. I still have a roof over my head. I still have a job. I still am abundant enough to pay my bills and I have my health. There's so many things that are, I got it going on with, you know? So it's, ah. <laughs> so here, here's me, what I learned, like trying to manage this inner critic. So number one, be mindful and aware when you're criticizing yourself, notice it. So instead of letting that voice run loose in your head, just kind of take a step back and be like, huh, I noticed that I'm criticizing myself. That step alone is, is huge because if we don't notice when we are talking down on ourselves, then we 
let it run our lives. But when we notice it, we can make a choice. We can make a decision. We can evaluate it. So number two, ask yourself, is this criticism that I'm telling myself helping or hurting me? Nine times out of 10, actually, no, I think 10 times out of 10, (laughs) it will be hurting you, in which case you got to stand up to that inner critic. So number three, stand up to the bully that is the inner critic. The inner critic is the, is our inside bully that uh, just is always around, always there. It's like you're on the school playground and there's just that one character there. I don't know, bullies in school, in schools are just mean. And, but stand up to the inner critic just as you would stand up for a friend. So stand up for yourself because you are worth it. You, you are deserving of love and you, you, des- you have to have your own back. And this is an opportunity to practice being your own best friend. I mean, would you say the things that you say to yourself, to your friend, to someone you love and care about? No, unless you're a really mean, not so nice person. Um, And know that the bully is, or the bully or the inner critic is saying uh, mean things because there was hurt at some point. Hurt people hurt people, right? So when I think about my childhood, there was a lot of hurt in getting those messages about, oh, well, you spilled the milk. That is terrible. That is bad. And so I internalized that pain. And now I tell myself not to do those things. But the thing is that hurt people hurt people. Notice that, but stop the cycle. (laughs) You know, you have a choice to stop that cycle with that awareness. So you can stop that cycle with yourself. It's super un unproductive to be mean to yourself. It's not helping you in any way. There's a way to be, to learn from your mistakes. That's fine. But saying mean things like, oh, I'm stupid and this and that, it's, it's not helpful at all. And then take a look at what the inner critic is saying. Maybe write, write those things down and then take a look at it and say, is that really true? So when I lost my keys, Um, I was thinking I'm careless and I'm a money waster and I'm stupid. But in questioning that, it's, I was, you know, I was thinking, am am I really careless? Like, I don't think so because I'm a pretty responsible adult. Like, I don't rely on anyone for anything else. I take care of myself in so many other ways. And am I really a money waster? I'm mindful that the key was... Is val- was valuable, but it's not like I'm just throwing wads of money here and there without thinking about it. It was an honest mistake. And am I really stupid? Nah. I If I was stupid, I probably couldn't keep a job or use a computer, even though, I don't know, like there's just so many things that is proof that I'm not stupid. So number four, rewrite messages from the inner critic. So if you're dealing with a lot of feelings that are coming from the inside and the inner critic is really loud, write them down. And so some examples of messages from the inner critic, I feel like I may not have to 
cite examples because we all go through really harsh messages from them, but I'm going to just put it out there. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I should have gotten that right. I won't ever be successful. So let's kind of back up so I can show you um, the way to like turn that around. So um, here's an example. Uh, Like if you're taking a test and you get everything right except one thing, And then you think to yourself, I should have gotten that right. And the reverse of that would say, or the rewriting that in a more compassionate and nurturing way, you can say, it's okay and completely normal to not do everything perfectly. It's okay. (laughs) And another thing that I used to tell myself is, I won't ever be successful in XYZ, whatever that is, whatever phase I was in my life, actor, podcaster, blah, blah, blah. So I won't ever be successful in XYZ. That's the inner critic. And rewriting it, I said, I do have the potential to succeed in XYZ. (sighs) (laughs) And yeah, so this brings me to number five, which is notice the response in your body to the more positive messages, which just happened as I was um, just telling you guys the rewritten versions of it, which is why I like sighed because I was like, oh, it feels good to say nice things about myself. In looking at the rewritten messages, ask yourself, are they helping or hurting you? it's very likely that they are more helpful. (laughs) And then ask yourself, which is more helpful for you to internalize and take with you? Which is, I mean, it's an obvious answer, but it's still worth asking. Um, You want to take in and internalize the positive messages. And that's why this awareness practice is so important, to be aware of when the inner critic arises. Because like I said, it otherwise it can control you and you will be internalizing things that are not good for you and you won't even be noticing it because it's going to become so normal. And we don't want to normalize the negative because that stops us from really living out our, our true and to our fullest potential. Like we're capable of so much, but we have self-limiting beliefs like the inner critic that just like stop us in our tracks. And it's like crazy. It's just like, it's all in our head, but it's like real. And we have to, you know, have that awareness and be able to practice being nurturing and compassionate to ourselves. So kind of like what I said in my last podcast and like kind of feeling into your body, as you say, those more positive messages to yourself, notice if your body feels any different, try and feel into those Um, more positive nurturing statements. And yeah, I mean, to me, it feels really good. So just play around with that. (sighs) Number six, because I know that there are people out there like this. Are you still feeling doubts about those positive messages? So you might think the in terms of opposites, like I am careless, I'm not responsible. And then the rewritten version is I am responsible. And you're like, oh, am I really responsible? Like, yeah, that is a really nice message, but I'm not really sure. Come on, (laughs) y'all. Yes. So doubts can come up. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say just rewrite it and believe the nice thing. So if you feel doubts, 
if you still feel doubts about those positive messages and you still are not sure about the feelings in your body and yada, 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 I encourage you to cite evidence. Cite evidence for those two differing statements. So for example, in the example of, let's say, sorry, my notes are kind of crazy. In the example of, oh, I should have gotten that right on the test. Some evidence to support that inner critic statement is, oh, I had gone over the material for this test dozens of times, and when I was taking the test, I had plenty of time to check my answers. So that's evidence citing the inner critic side. And the more nurturing side of that statement is, it's okay not to always do things perfectly. And evidence to cite that is, uh, include... Now I know for sure not to make this mistake again, and I won't forget <laughs> and I won't forget this answer that I put in wrong like all the other test materials. Because you know when you take a test and you study so hard and you get everything right and you're just so relieved that you got everything right, you probably will forget it. But if you get something wrong, it's likely that you will remember that one thing and you won't forget that. Like the thing that you got wrong will be the thing that you carry with you for life. <laughs> Um, I hope I worded that right. I feel like I'm all lost in my, my mouth is this kind of dry. Ooh. Um, and another piece of evidence to support the more positive side is I don't need to be perfect to get a passing grade. And this does not determine the rest of my life. And then citing kind of another example, but it's true, um, is my bed isn't always perfectly made, but it sure is the most comfortable. (laughs) So a lot of people like to live in what looks like imperfection. And and oftentimes, actually, imperfection is quite comfortable and nice, kind of like your your junk drawer. Like you don't want to clean it up, but you know what's in there is crazy. So yeah, cite evidence. And I encourage you to cite this evidence as if you're talking to a friend. Like I said, this is an opportunity to practice being your best friend. My final point, number seven, the inner critic may never completely go away, but don't let it take the driver's seat, y'all. Remember that you are the driver of your own life. Cheesy, I know. But think about it. The inner critic may want to play their music But remember, you are the driver, and maybe you want to blast some Cardi B, okay? And you can sing to the inner critic, or like, see little, mm, you can't fool me if you wanted to, okay? Like, yeah. (laughs) And the inner critic may want to take the wheel, but you are the one with the driver's license, because you're responsible. And you took all your tests and you got that right. And remember, when you take the tests to get your driver's permit and all, you don't need to get all of them, right? It's fine. <laughs> and the inner critic may want to roll up the windows, but you're the one cruising with the wind in your hair and you like it because it makes you just feel like a star. And you could lock lock the windows. You could, like, it's childproof it and so they don't have to play with the windows. Like, you are in charge. Just remember that you're in charge. I don't know. I think my metaphors are kind of cheesy. But you get my drift, right? <laughs> so, yeah, those are my thoughts about the inner critic and kind of the experience that I went through. And I thought, how can I turn this experience into something positive and help out people? 
And I hope you found it helpful, whatever you might be going through. If you have the inner critic syndrome going on, just, you know, play, play this podcast over, take some notes and, and know that this is some, uh, something that you can practice to not let the inner critic take over your life. Remember, the first step is awareness. So, yeah. So, yes, I did lose my keys, and I went through a lot of feels and a lot of back and forth with my inner critic. But after processing, I do know this. It's okay. And the truth is, I have an abundance. This is why we have um, emergency savings <laughs> to afford a new set. And this totally doesn't mean that I'm a careless person. I have most of my life pretty much together. And I, I know where other things are. Like I know where my cell phone is and my wallet is, all that good stuff. And these things happened all the time. It just so happened to be me that this happened to. And I'm not the only one. And losing my keys is not a reflection of my character. All right? So yes, just to review... Be aware and try talking back to your inner critic. So you need to stand up for yourself like you'd stand up for your homie, for your homegirl, for your bestie, for your BFF, okay? Talk back to that inner critic. Be like, really? Am I really stupid? Like, nah, I'm smart. I'm right. And see, see what happens. Notice how you respond. Notice how your body responds. Feel into your feelings. Is this helping or hurting you? And then look at the evidence from both sides and you will see that there's more evidence for the nurturing and compassionate point of view. All right, I'm going to call it a day on this podcast. Again, my name is Lainey. I am a life coach, and you can check me out at laineybyheart.com. I also want to put out there that I do have a free workbook for you guys to download, and it's called Live the Fog, Intentional Living Beyond Fear. I think this relates to the inner critic because inner critic and fear are really close. They're really close friends, and I know that fear and and your one self-criticism can be a wall between you and your goals and your dreams and reaching your potential. And I want to just put it out there that it's a resource and it's free to you guys. And I'm all about helping people. And if you have any ideas of anything else you want to hear on this podcast, any topics, or if you just want to chat and make a friend, I'm right here. Hit me up on Instagram at laneybyheart. I really appreciate your listening ear, and I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your week. Until next time, take care. Bye.